fun-filled episode of Rank and Review. This is the 186th edition and it is called Strange Animals. Rayleigh Perkins returns and I'm so grateful to her for becoming a regular player with Rank and Review. It's nice to get another perspective on things and she's so well suited to the topic because these are some strange movies. They're kind of when animals attack type of vibe movies but all of them have a really strange either B-movie aesthetic or just a percentage of cheese, There's a percentage of, of, I don't know, winkiness, of knowingness. There's just something about these movies that make them a little bit different, a little bit culty, a little bit strange. They're for a specific audience, and happily, Rayleigh is of that specific audience. So we're going to get into that. As usual, you should step into Rank and Review knowing that there's going to be spoilers for the six strange creature features that we're going to be talking about. And there's going to be some coarse language mostly from me because I'm a potty mouth. That is a fact. If you have feedback, you can send that feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Please check out the website at rankandreview.ca. And if you're looking for other podcasts to put in your ears, uh, you can check out A Lifetime of Hallmark. You can check out the Terror Table podcast. You can check out the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. Check out Cobwebs, a gothic horror podcast. And check out Welcome to Riverdale. These are all friends of Rank and Review. Thank you so much for lending me your ears. I appreciate you. Now let's get into some strange animals. <laughs> they were great, were they? Rayleigh Perkins ah. is back on Rankin Review to talk about some strange animals. And I'm glad that you picked this list because I think the wrong person, the wrong audience for these movies, and it's going to be a very toxic, toxic experience for them. So um, I, I know that you've watched things like Ghost Shark and appreciated them. So you can you can embrace the cheese when asked to. Um, do you have any regrets? Like, where are we standing? We're still friends after all of these movies? Oh, no, this was way better than the first list I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, these were great. And not only why Ghost Shark, I recommend it to other hosts, such as Matt, right. who I've on your show as well. Right. 
No, you yeah. talked about last time you were here that you showed him Ghost Shark and he did not seem receptive to it at all. Not as receptive, no. <laughs> so, no, this was great. I had a lot of fun. The theme here is animal movies, but uh, I guess in the B or C or D level of the spectrum, most of them? Most, yeah. I mean, I suppose The Swarm and Congo are actually properly big-budget affairs, but I think that, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that the level of their failure becomes so spectacular that it becomes like a different kind of entertainment to me? Yeah. I mean, failure comparatively, like compared to what, really? Yeah. Like, Well, what the film they were trying to make and what the film that we are watching, like the difference between those two films. I mean, I think it hold, they hold, I don't know. I think you and I might have very different opinions on this. Uh -oh. because well, we'll, we'll find out. Um, I like Okay. Well, it's it's tricky. Some of them I laugh with, some of them I laugh at, some of them I enjoy. I'm going to admit there's a couple here that I found to be a bit hard. I'm going to it's true. It's true. But okay. um it's sort of like talking about the Jurassic Park movies for instance. There is a 12-year-old boy inside of me that loves watching adults get eaten by dinosaurs. Like Seeing an adult person get eaten by a dinosaur is just always going to be rarefied entertainment to me. And I know that that's maybe a weakness in my own character, but like, uh, wow. if, you, if you have that in your movie, it's, I'm going to like it more than a movie that doesn't have that. And like, so some of these sort of play to my soft spots. But yeah. th there's something within me that says, know what you are and have fun with it. And sometimes a movie will rub me the wrong way when it doesn't quite... It seems condescending to say know its space in the world or know its place. There's nothing wrong with a movie with ambitions. But if you're a no-budget, cheap-as-shit, silly monster movie, know it and own it. And then I'll be on your side. And if you're an actor who's going to be in one of these movies, like, understand that this is not going to be your, like, Shakespearean debut of greatness. Yeah. Uh, I always, the whole time I was watching these series of films, I kept thinking, like, does this actor know what this is happening? Like, were they aware of the role that they're supposed to play? Or is this, like, legitimately, they're actually really trying? Because some were really trying to be in the movie and some were very clearly aware of <laughs> what they were doing and just played it up and like hand it up for the camera no this is either a paycheck role for a lot of people or it's just like they needed a role so they weren't going to be in a position to say no to anything offered but see this is where i differ whereas like sand sharks for instance if somebody offers me a part in a movie called sand sharks i am 1000 percent there i know it's gonna be like a no budget like stupidity like what whatever yeah. it's sand sharks but i'm gonna be there with a big smile on my face and if you're not there with a big smile on your face what the fuck are you doing there as far as i'm concerned why are you there if you don't yeah. want to be there Get the fuck off the set. Somebody else deserves it. <laughs> Who will be there with a big smile. And I think Amsharik was like the only one without some like big names in it. Well, apologies, apologies to the Corinemic fans out there. 
Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I always think back to, um, uh, I'm thinking of Sharknado. Right. When um, the guy from 90210, Ian. Zerling? Ian Zerling? 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 I don't know. Yeah. He was just like hamming it up for sharknado and telling them everyone that it was better than jaws and i remember like he was so into character for that and i remember thinking like this has got to be a shtick like he can't actually think that this is better than jaws and so but like that was part of that like appeal of like that crowd right like he just totally played into that role and it worked for him and i still to this day not too sure i think he might actually think that (laughs) It was better than Jaws. Well, maybe it was tongue-in-cheek for the first three Sharknado movies, but by the time <laughs> they got through the second three Sharknado's movies, like, he got really up his own ass. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Full confession, Ray Lee, and I hope this doesn't, you know, damage my credibility as a critic with you. I've only ever seen the first Sharknado. <laughs> You didn't see the Fourth Awakens. <laughs> I didn't see. I didn't see the rest of them. I kind of felt like everything that Sharknado had to say was kind of said by that first movie. Am I wrong? <laughs> uh, no, I no. I think you're wrong on that. I think the first three are are worth it. And one of the best criticisms I ever saw was on Twitter, and it was like the best part about Sharknado Two is that Tara Reid thinks she can write a book. Like, <laughs> pretty accurate. <laughs> Poor me, Tara Reid. Uh, um, around the show that I enjoyed, like people would be on Twitter when it came on, and there was like whole conversations happening like live as it was airing, and it was just fun to be a part of yeah. that. I think more than the actual movie itself. <laughs> but the fact that we're talking about Sharknado, I mean, this is the spirit or the sort of vibe of the movies we're going to talk about. Is there anything that you would like to say, Ray Lee, by way of introduction before I list off these movies and we talk about them? No, I think I'm good. Okay. Uh, this is this is the order I have them in. If you want to do them in a different order, we can't, but here we go. Uh, Sand Sharks, starring Corin Nemec and Brooke Hogan. The Swarm, a very famous uh, disaster picture from Irwin Allen. Jurassic Park 3. Lake Placid. Congo, and we're going to finish it off with the Shat himself, William Shatner, starring in Kingdom of the Spiders. Can my listeners handle this much awesome? I was not prepared for Shatner being in Kingdom of the Spiders. I don't know what I was prepared for, but when I like realized, that was one I hadn't seen before this. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, yeah. And so, anyway... Yeah, it's just, it's great. It was, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll get there. <laughs> Thousands of kids will flock to this island for some fun in the sun. We're throwing a major rager for spring break. Welcome to the Sandman Festival. Spring break is awesome. Something ate my boyfriend. The shark swimming in the sand. Sharks can't swim in the sand. I saw it. It moved through the sand like it was water. It's a prehistoric sand tiger shark, a predator that has evolved to wear sand like a coat and travel through it like water. Everyone off the beach now, it's not safe. It's our civic duty to close this beach. That's really bad for business. Your party isn't on the sand, it's on the ice. If you kill this festival now, then this island could be dead with it. My word is money. It better be, otherwise your name is going to be on the tombstone. we got thousands of kids stuck on this island. No way to get them off. 
Napalm, baby. So, Rayleigh, I'm going to rush production on this episode because I want it to actually come out, like, as the next episode. The previous episode I did of this was the first Bunker episode, and to be candid, it's probably one of the weakest episodes in Rankin Review history. I was by myself, and uh, I really feel like I need, uh, I need a guest to help me bounce ideas off. Uh, please don't give up on the bunker episodes. I'm working on them like they're going to they're going to get better. And those were a tough list of movies in my defense. But I feel doubly cursed by it because in that episode I talked about two-headed shark attack starring Brooke Hogan. And she's She's made both of these shitty shark movies in the same year. And I, I, I thought I was having some kind of, like, hallucination or nervous breakdown or, like, a flashback. Like, I was traumatized and scarred by my two-headed shark attack because here she is again. And much like you were making fun of, like, Tara Reid and Sharknado, you know, and her, you know, the idea of Tara Reid writing a book being inherently hilarious to people. In this movie, Brooke Hogan is a, is a you know, a, a marine biologist. And she does not yeah, sell it. And what's that? I said a damn good one. A damn, a damn good, good one. Well, I was pretty hard on her acting in, in Two-Headed Shark Attack, and I'm going to continue to be hard on her acting in Sand Sharks. Uh, she shares the screen with Corin Nemec. I was trying to remember, like, what was the thing about Corin Nemec? Like, well, I know he had, like, that Parker Lewis Can't Lose TV show, but that was, like, one season, maybe? Like, yeah, I didn't recognize him. Did he have a high watermark? Or is this it? Like I don't. <laughs> I watched Mark. <laughs> he was in the stand, like the 1994 TV version of the stand. But like, okay. what is it that I don't know? Like, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to him either. I'm just I'm actually legitimately I curious. Think... Like, what was I like don't... the big moment for Coronetic? <laughs> sand sharks. I think this is it. Sand sharks. <laughs> Peak creature movie. Oh. So here's the thing: if you, like I said at the beginning, if if you're making a no budget, cheap as as shit monster movie, know it and own it. And I think my problem with Sand Sharks is only about two thirds of the cast is doing that. The two thirds of the cast <laughs> that are doing that, I am connecting with. The rest of the cast, it just kind of makes me facepalm a little bit. There's a weird feeling of, like, uncomfortableness that happens when the scene is just not working at all, where I actually feel, like, a little cringy, like, a little embarrassed for not just, like, for them and for myself for watching it. <laughs> and that definitely yeah. takes away from the joy of these at-no-point-credible CGI sharks that are able to swim through sand and attack people. I will give the movie points for having fun with it, but I think the audience for this movie is incredibly specific, and if you're that audience, you've already seen Sand Sharks. <laughs> this is my um, fourth watching of Sand Sharks. Okay. For viewing, so yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with the very narrow audience <laughs> that is Sand Sharks. 
for me, it was less about the, like, when, the whole time I was watching this, like, set of films, I was really trying to, like, check off the tropes, like, while we were doing them. And, like, the soundtrack really checks a lot of those boxes. Like, it really tries to hit every single element of, like, the sexy scientist and the love triangle weirdness. Like, it, it's all there. Like, all the elements are really a part of this movie. But it's I think best. it would be fair to say it's slapdash. <laughs> yeah. And I kept thinking, too, uh, there was a documentary about that, like, fire festival that they, remember, was it the fire festival? Yeah. Or there was, I was like, it was a big con. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is that documentary. <laughs> Based on a true story. <clears throat> right? Because like, that was the whole thing, was just, like, this whole, there's just so much that was just, like, <laughs> this festival that's trying to save the town and then it shows a close-up of the festival and it's like 20 people on the beach unenthusiastically like, hopping because there's no actual music playing on set i'm like that's that's the festival that's gonna your town it's then. gonna save the day it's gonna make it better for everyone this lame party yeah and i don't know like it 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 had all the, it, it it checked a lot of boxes. I like the old guy who's like the Jaws old guy ripoff. Like Wait. that was a pretty good ripoff. Yeah, and he well, has a homemade flamethrower at just the right time. Again, that no one knew about until the exact moment that he like pulls it out. That would have been happy helpful just a few seconds ago when we were watching our friend get killed. But thanks, thanks though. Again, the, and, you can't fight this movie at all, right? No. <laughs> I and just like the like setup of the cheesy lines, like right at the very end. There's like the the main girl, or sort of like the the assistant who's like helping set up the festival, right? And then at the very end, when she like comes out and is like, "Oh yeah, I can help you with that festival. It'll be to die for." Uh-huh. And then like, and but like the problem was is like. The pause was too long. <laughs> like, it was like, she said the line, you knew she was going to get eaten. And then it, like, didn't happen for, like, three additional seconds. And you're like, man, this comedic timing is way off of this. <laughs> I, I think because the gore bits a lot of the, well first of all something like that one there's no gore to it at all it's just a pov yeah. shot and they do a lot of that in the first third of the movie but they really don't have the gore like it's just not credible at all and because of that i think they're weirdly able to quote get away with more violence than they would this is actually a pg movie that was the major difference between two-headed shark attack and this one well, uh, this one, you know, was less on the, well, other than that one officer that got bitten in half, it was less on the grim visceral violence and the and the superfluity than Two-Headed Shark Attack was. Yeah, there was no nudity or anything in this one either. Um, and I don't know, I mean, it's almost expected in this sort of, like, genre, not only that there be nudity, but like I say, that it be superfluous. <laughs> Um, (laughs) it's like they missed one of those boxes isn't that what we do in this or have we outgrown that is that is is sand sharks mature i don't know (laughs) i I mean i think mature is maybe not quite the word question was this like straight to sci-fi tv like when 
Like, I think it is, so. Like, I what think is this one of the like shark I know Sharktopus was and Sharknado went straight to sci-fi. Was this one of that kind of set? I think so. I think so. There's yeah. some of them that were made direct to DVD, like by Asylum. And then there's some that were made for television that were subsequently released on DVD. But right. I'm, I'm a sucker for a, for a, a shark movie. Um, here's a question for you. Are we asked to or do you like any of our characters? I mean, I didn't, I didn't dislike, uh, I, I like the main cop female. I thought she was really great. The woman that gets bitten in half? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think all the characters do what they're supposed to do. How's that? How's yeah. that for her? They fill the hole in the script, but again, Cora Nemec's character never approaches likable or believable. No. Or like, I don't know what they're trying to do with his big death scene because he's not particularly saving anybody. He's not like, there's no payoff to it. It takes a long time for it to happen. Uh, so long. And, and like, I just like, I feel like I'm supposed to feel something here, you guys, and I don't. At all. The the gruff cop who refuses to believe, and I'm sympathetic to refusing to believe in the Sand Sharks, let's be fair. But he's got this, like, ice cube scowl on his face for the whole movie. He just looks pissed off. He looks like he's mad to be in this movie, Sand Sharks. Yeah. 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 And then we, of course, have the aforementioned Brooke Hogan, who I guess, like, I guess she's superficially pretty, but I just don't think she's an actress. Am, Am I being mean? Or a scientist, no. yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think she's either of those things. I don't believe it for a second, and I know we're talking about sand sharks, and I'm supposed to be using my kid gloves, but I gotta take some points away. She uh, she stands out in her suckage in this movie full of suckage. The thing I will say though is like the the first movies that I talked about was that mockumentary. Uh, about Loch Ness. Incident at Loch Ness, yes. Yeah, and they have the, like, the the woman dress up, the sexy woman dress up, and they're like, she's going to be the scientist. That's right. <laughs> she, like, actually ends up being really good at her job. And I just wanted the scientist to be really good at her job, and she just never... I never, never. believed anything that she said. Yeah. At any point, at any point. I think Corin Nemec's an okay actor. I just think that the part was bad, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. And I would have switched the cops. I would have had that the guy cop get bit in half and have the female cop make it to the uh, third reel because she was a better actor and I liked her character. She was as close to a character that whose death mattered to me. But even that, they tried to make it funny because her guts were coming out and Corin Nemec was trying to push them back in like that was going to make oh, it all better. Oh, the entrail scenes. Yeah. Like, it just looked like he was making sausage. Yeah. That scene. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I laughed because it's over the top and silly what they were doing. But again, it takes any, quote, credibility away from sand sharks. And I say okay. that knowing how ridiculous that sounds. For your listeners, he is air quoting a lot right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think too, like, uh, I kept thinking of Piranha 3D, like the one that came out in, I don't know, 2005. The Ajna one, yeah. It's, it's, it's lovely. It's lovely. Just lovely. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. And so 
the character was like that Jerry O'Connell, like that sleazeball porn maker sort of. And like Jerry O'Connell, I still really liked in that like sleazeball way. Like he's just, that character was fantastic in Piranha and this just nothing translates. Everything has to rip off. I swear I'm haunted by that bunker episode. You know who Brooke Hogan shares the screen with in Two Headed Shark Attack? Who? Jerry O'Connell's brother. Really? <laughs> I'm scared. I think we <laughs> should stop. <laughs> like the Twilight meme. <laughs> me, 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 me. Is there anything else you want to say about Sand Sharks? I feel like it's an is-what-it-is review. Like, if you want to watch a movie called Sand Sharks, here it fucking is, right? Yeah, or if you're like me, you want to watch it four times. (laughs) My girl. Have at her. For more than 20 years, scientists have known that a swarm of killer bees has been headed towards the United States. Now, Warner Brothers presents Irwin Allen's The Swarm. We have visual contact. Identify. A black mass here. A moving black mass. We have been invaded by an enemy far more lethal than any human force. Starring Michael Caine, Catherine Ross, Richard Widmark, Richard Chamberlain, Olivia de Havilland, Ben Johnson, Lee Grant, Jose Ferrer, Patty Duke Aston, Slim Pickens, Bradford Dillman, Fred McMurray, and Henry Fonda. story of courage and sacrifice. So we were just getting into talking about the swarm, but even before I press record, I know we're going to agree on one thing. One of the most oppressive issues with this movie, like over and above the ridiculousness and the concept and the hurdles that they're going to ask the audience to jump over is it is so long. It is fucking endless. It just goes on and on and on. Like it's still happening in my brain. Right, Lee? <laughs> yeah, I left this one for till the end thinking all the other ones were like that nice hour 40 minute like chunk, right? Like yeah. the good disaster creature movie should be and so I was expecting that for this one and so I waited till the very end and then I was like oh dear oh no it's like a whole extra hour but there is like a theatrical release that was only 116 minutes (laughs) comes in under the two hour mark and everything I said just watch that one (laughs) do not watch the extended version I mean, if you like the idea of watching a Killer Bee movie, I guess I would say watch a short one, but I have a real hard time recommending The Swarm to anybody. Well, I can start with a couple of good things. This is the third time now, thanks to Rank and Review, I've discovered a scene from a movie that I saw at a young age that traumatized me, but I didn't know what the movie was. But I remember specifically being at like the cabin we used to go to in the summer when I was a kid and there was this grainy old TV and there was a scene where a little kid locked himself in a car and his mom and dad get swamped by these killer bees. And I remember I saw that as a kid and I thought it was fucking terrifying. Like I I watched it again now and I was like, 
eh, maybe not so much, but when you're five or six or whatever I was, that was powerful. Well, and this, the swarm scenes where you actually see the bees on the people, like, it was like, I could see how that would be as a young kid, like, pretty scary, especially if you're, like, in a cabin in the woods, yeah. weren't they, like, at a picnic? In the woods sort of thing? Yeah. Well, the problem is the swarm is basically the gravestone epitaph of the like great wave of disaster movies that were popular in the 60s and 70s. And this was the one, A, because it failed. It did not, you know, earn its money back at all. And, and just because of the size and ridiculous of it, it just sort of exposed the silliness of the whole genre. And it's funny how seriously everybody's taking it. And like this... That was for me is this everyone in this movie was like there's no camp. Nobody like, is having any fun at all. <laughs> they're all just so melodramatic and just like just so serious. And I was like, no, it's just a smile. It's just some bees. Yeah. Well, and it's funny now because you think today if they did a disaster movie about the bees, it would be about saving the bees, not the bees killing us, right? Um, the line by Michael Caine where he's like but the bees they've always been our friends oh, Michael Caine I mean the man is a legend like he's an institution I have a lot of respect for him he has been in some terrible movies like even in Jaws 4 The Revenge yeah, but even in Jaws 4 The Revenge like I can see him trying to give a performance in the swarm, it's on his face. He knows this is terrible. Like, this is a complete paycheck movie. And he did a lot of them. But, like, this one, somehow, he was having a hard time keeping, like, <laughs> this professional veneer. There's, like, no expression on his face or voice at all. He just doesn't want to be there. <laughs> where he's, like, or arguing with the military guy, and the two of them are just, like... But no, don't do but please stop. But no just like come on guy, like try and at least hate each other. And like have some fun with this campy dialogue when the guy's going off about like how this nuclear facility has so many fail safes and security protocols, nothing could ever possibly go wrong. Yes, but have you ever tested it against a swarm of killer bees? Like <laughs> that's just hilarious dialogue. Like this is like yeah, Tim Burton should have made this movie or something, or remade this movie, like, and just gone Mars Attacks level stupid with it. But the fact that it's so earnest and straight-faced should be funny, but it's not. It's boring. And even, like, the weird bee hallucinations that keep <sighs> happening throughout it, and, like, one of them is she's looking in his eyeball, and she can see the bee, like, buzzing in his eyeball. Like, that's really great material, but it's just, like... <laughs> No, <laughs> just kept going. <laughs> and the scale and size of it, like we have train derailments, we have like huge explosions, the entire town getting swamped by bees. The production level is crazy. Festival. That's right. Uh, <laughs> the cast is huge for its day. Some of which I recommend, uh, I, I, I still recognize, but some which I don't. Like, you know, Richard Chamberlain, obviously, Richard Winmark. But a lot of them, like, I didn't particularly, you know, have any particular... Bradford Dillman, is that someone that we still feel a lot for these days? Exactly. Uh, he was in Piranha, I believe, the original Piranha. It all goes back to Piranha. Um, but, like, the idea was it's a big movie on a big subject with big stars and big effects. And it's like, 
this is entertainment. This is the apex of what, you know, American film can be. And it's the swarm. And it was just like, ouch, you guys. (laughs) Also, one of the biggest death tolls in, like, any movie, really. (laughs) Because I think the nuclear power plant had, like, 20... I can't remember. I remember... When I, like, just I the watching. fallout alone yeah no <laughs> everyone in that nuclear but I also like how it like <laughs> I remember thinking uh two things is like the like computer that slashes the death toll like immediately after the nuclear power plant blows up and yeah. I'm like fuck that is some great technology in 1978 how did they figure that out so quickly <laughs> well played technology right and there's like archaic computer and it's like 20 and it's like typing it out like the word I'm like pretty sure you just use the numbers computer guy <laughs> and then but the scene where he uh, who acts the, the immunologist who makes the serum what's his the actor's name uh, is that Winmark? himself with the poison he's in the wheelchair right right and then he like i like that that was that was a good scene because he like you think the serum's gonna work you think he's created the anti-venom but no (laughs) can't quite reach the needle and then he reaches the needle and then still dies (laughs) no no anti-venom for you (laughs) but my big thing with that as much as it was by comparison in the movie a fairly decently executed scene it did go on forever, right? Like it was like uh, it was a short play by itself. <laughs> this is token writing this. Yeah, this is, <laughs> we, we're really gonna ease on into this. We're gonna take our time. You are a very sharp individual, if you don't mind me saying. So I'm wondering if you didn't maybe pick up on a subtext of subtle racism <laughs> throughout this film. Okay, I'm so glad you said it. I was kind of thinking about not bringing it up. But because for the listeners who have not watched, it is African killer bees. Of course. But they are referred to, they're referred to as the Africans throughout the film. And it gets super distracting. And for all this cast of thousands, there's like three black faces in the movie. And it's like the Africans are going to swarm Houston and the Africans are going to shut down this nuclear... And I'm just like, no, you need to say the bees. Yeah. <laughs> Please stop. Please stop. We're going to stop yeah. this African menace. And like, what? <laughs> the first time it happened, I thought it was just like an error. Like it, it was going to be like a one-off. And then it just kept like getting worse as the movie went on. It's like, I think just killer bees would be, anyway. I think how seriously you take the Africanized bee thing is sort of like a a racism dog whistle. Like, Like any African will say, like I've been there, they'll say everything here is bigger and badder. Like any animal that, that, that you'll find on the planet, if it's here, it's bigger than it's usually found. So yeah, they have bigger bees and because they're bigger bees, they probably sting a little bit more, right? But this whole idea of Africanized bees is, I don't know if it was popularized by this movie and the novel that this movie was based off. This is based off of a novel. Um, but I, I just, I, I, it hits my ears so bad. All I, all I hear is racism, racism, racism. Whether or not it was intended, because I think for the most part in the movie it's not, but it really hits my ears bad. And it, 
It was yeah. already a trying, like, long, endless, like, <laughs> experience for me. And that really kind of put it over the top to making it not easy to enjoy. <laughs> I couldn't even yeah. laugh at it. The, the racism was so overt, I couldn't even laugh at it. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And, and like I said, it got worse. Like, the first hour of the movie, the first quarter of the movie, <laughs> it was as bad. But as it progressed and it became, I don't want to use the word frantic, because nothing about this movie moves at a frantic pace, ever. No, no. But it does sort of get worse. It, like, kind of snowballs as the movie gets on. And um, when it's talking about, because didn't they come up from... South, wasn't there something in South America? Maybe that was another movie that I'm talking oh, about. But they've been here for a while, and they've been breeding, right? Right, that was what I was thinking of. Right, right. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think if you're going to watch it, you could probably do it with the shorter, oh. the and that's if you're going to watch it. Because even when the movie pays off, even the action sequences are drawn out to ridiculous levels to the point where you're tired of watching the action sequences. This... I, like, I like all the close-up forms of the beat. When you actually, like I said, with the picnic scene and stuff, when they're actually on the people, like, but when you just see them in the sky and it's just this, like, swarm of... Yeah, Great. a lot yeah, of it like, is yeah, just blurring on the image and people flailing their arms and falling over. Yeah, I yeah, and so but I did get a little skin crawly when the when it was like close ups of the people being swarmed. I do have to admit, or when they were like coming in the vents and stuff like that, like there's that moment of like, ooh, gross. That's really gross. <laughs> but if someone were to edit all of those scenes together. That would probably be less than 10 minutes of this 155-minute sit. It's true. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not seeing this one rank high for me. Is there anything else you want to say about the swarm? Have we been fair on it? Fair. Yeah, no, I think I'm good. <laughs> I have a, a proposition I'd like to discuss with you. I've chartered an airplane to fly us over Isla Sorna, and we'd like you to be our guide. We'd love to make a contribution to your research here. It could almost be paradise. I got it forgotten. We have a landing strip up here. You cannot land on this island. Oh my god! But in this forbidden place, where man has tampered with nature... This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. Something unexpected has evolved. They can talk to each other. To a degree we never imagined. On July 18th, you probably won't get off the side of the line. It's not just a walk in the park. They set a trap. They actually set a trap. So I am a fan of the Jurassic Park franchise. I'm a fan almost to a, like, a fault of the Jurassic Park franchise. I defend every entry of the Jurassic Park franchise. They just make me smile. They make me shovel in the popcorn. I am not even, you know, 
completely real about it. It's just something that appeals to me that these these are the movies that I've wanted since I was a kid. And when they arrived, I was so over the moon excited for them. I know that The Lost World has some big problems. And I know that this movie we're going to talk about, Jurassic Park 3, has some big problems. But... uh, I just really enjoy watching them. I really, really enjoy watching them. And uh, I don't know if this is me apologizing or just making people aware. Like, I like this movie more than it's worth, and I know it. But I like Jurassic Park 3, so there it is. I said it out loud, it happened. You're talking to the girl whose friends, when she was 38... (laughs) through her Jurassic Park themed birthday party. <laughs> so I am also a very big fan of this <laughs> and um, often watch the first one of both trilogies, like the new one and the original, um, just for like shits and giggles, just because I, and I like put it on and I like just, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm fully engaged in this every single time. Like I can't. And it was, when I first looked at this list, I thought that this one seemed out of place. Oh, yeah? Because it's dinosaurs? Pardon? Because it's dinosaurs? It just, to me, I mean, Jurassic Park is great, but, and I mean, I know it's a creature movie, but, like, to me, it's like a different beast of a creature movie for some reason, and I don't know why it's a different genre for me, but these are all, like, the other ones on our list are all, like, very much the, like, classic creature movies that I love and I find Jurassic Park like really legitimate (laughs) like and so at first but I think the more I sort of when I first watched this and I was like and then started watching this I'm like actually of all the Jurassic Park movies I think that this one fits this genre the most well and I like if I go off the title Strange Animals as an entry in the Jurassic Park franchise it's first one not directed by spielberg it's 90 minutes it's not this epic two-hour thing it kind of gets in gets out and it i mean all of them know that they're essentially b-movies with like a level production values but this one leans into it uh in a way that almost it seems too hard like it makes it feel less legit in a weird way than the first two movies did but like, let's be real, The Lost World especially goes pretty far off the map. Like, it gets pretty damn crazy. We've entered, yes. a, like, a cartoon universe when, you know, we have kids using acrobatics to save their dad from a raptor. Or, you know, the whole T-Rex in San Francisco was better conceptually than in reality for me personally. Still love the movie. I still love The Lost World. But it's got its problems. But... This movie is almost self-consciously silly. Like, the premise of this guy taking this kid, like, uh, parasailing around this forbidden dinosaur island and not anticipating anything going wrong. Um, You know, the whole setup of this kid being missing for, what is it, three three weeks or something by the time we first... no kid should be able to survive on that island for that long. Like, it's on its face not credible. And it's one of these things about the Jurassic Park franchise where they feel the need to bend over backwards in each movie to have a kid in it somewhere. Sometimes I wonder if they could just do a Jurassic Park movie where there wasn't a kid because very rarely does it seem appropriate to bring a kid to the dinosaur island with you. Uh, Where they always are. This movie's... He loves dinosaurs. But this movie's solution to all of these problems is to rush through them as quickly as possible. 
They're not going to do the thing the first Jurassic Park did will take the first 40 minutes to get you on the island and, you know, acclimated to <laughs> this world. No, they want to get you to the dinosaur action as quickly as possible. Is it a smart movie? No. Is it an entertaining movie? Yes. Uh, for, okay, so for me, like the other Jurassics are like the dinosaurs aren't the villain in the other Jurassics. Right. They're like they're like the killers, but they're not the villains, right? And this is the first, if not only one in the whole genre, where it's just literally man versus dinosaur, and there's no sort of outside elements really playing into anything it really is just a man versus monster kind of man versus animal kind of a movie right yeah and the plane crashes they have to find their way to uh, a radio <laughs> and then they have to find their way off the island and it's go 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 and they have nothing to their like nothing they have no technology no tents no food like they're just against the elements trying to beat the dinosaur trying to get off the island alive right Correct. and so yeah, I mean, it's enjoyable, and the action scenes are really great. The, I, it just, to me, it's not, it doesn't fit in with the other, like, so that's why I'm like, it doesn't really fit in with the Jurassic Park movies to me, like, the rest of the series Jurassic Park movies, but it's too good <laughs> to be listed with, like, like quality-wise and budget-wise to be, like, in, grouped in with all of these other movies that are on our list today. It's right. kind of, it's, like, weird. So... Like, I don't always enjoy it as a Jurassic Park movie, as, like, if I were to take that that series as a set of movies. But then I don't enjoy it as a B-movie, because it's just too good. It's <laughs> like, too good to be B. <laughs> like really good actors, and, like, really good budget, and, like, <laughs> CGI stuff is really great. And I'm like, that's not what a creature movie should be. Creature movie should be the swarm, but not the swarm. Don't watch this. Well, if you want to watch this one, <laughs> it's got an interesting cast too for its time. I mean, William H Macy, Tia Leone, um, Michael Jeter playing like a badass like mercenary dude, which I thought was an interesting against type kind of role for him. But most of the characters we don't—they don't stick around long enough for, for us to know or care about. And, and like I, again, I say that to the good and bad. Sorry. And then the two characters that reprise their role from the first one, yeah. Sam Neill and Laura Dern, yeah. Who should have had more screen time? She should always have more screen time. I love Laura Dern so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have the biggest heart for Laura Dern. Um, but yeah, she's very much a cameo supporting role in in this particular movie. She's uh, bring people in, I think. <laughs> The whole, there's a running thing, like, with the Sam Neill character. He doesn't want to be on this island. He's basically tricked into it, practically kidnapped into it. And there's this sort of resignation on his face. And it's hard not to imagine that Sam Neill, you know, didn't look at the script and think, well, this is a good paycheck movie, and people want me to be back in this movie, but this is kind of... In a way, and I like Sam Neill. I don't like talking shit about Sam Neill. But it's not him that makes the movie kind of work for me. It's it's the dinosaur stuff, to be honest. There is a giant Spinosaur that fights a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, we get much more into the sort of interactions and like the communications and the sort of parenting skills of the raptors. 
Thank you. I really like the scene where they get inside sort of the central base of it and they have the raptor chase inside, like the little yeah. pen where they have get pinned behind that door. Like there's great isolated sequences. And we finally got what we were supposed to get in the Lost World with the aviary. Um, Which is a great scene. Yeah. Originally, the end of the Lost World was the helicopters came to rescue them, but the helicopters get swamped by these birds. But instead, last minute, uh, Spielberg decided we needed to see a T-Rex in San Francisco. So they brought the birds into number three. And I really appreciated that addition. In fact, there's one character that they, they do a tease on. It looks like he's been killed by the birds, but it turns out he's okay. And that sequence was so well executed that I almost wish that character had been killed off because it was so brutal. <laughs> like the way the way they swamped him and isolated him from the rest of the group and the way that one bird looked back over his shoulder at the other one basically saying, no, he's ours. We got this. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, again, it's just moments like that where I feel expression out of these CGI creations where I'm I'm genuinely impressed by the movie. It, I, it, I keep going back to it. It's not smart. It's a dumb, very dirt simple. People are being chased by dinosaurs, but it happens so quickly that they don't give you a lot of time to think, how the hell is this kid still alive? What What are we doing, you guys? Oh, he happened then, to bring this raptor skull and he happened to just blow a note through it and that made the raptors cool with him? Okay, movie. <laughs> and uh, I also like that he read uh, Malcolm's book. Like, the Sam Neill character and the kid are talking. And right. He's like, oh, he seems a little full of himself. <laughs> and Sam Neill's like, yeah, we can agree on something. And there's this moment where, like, neither of them liked the Jeff Goldblum character. Got it. Like, it was a nice cameo without him actually being in the movie. You know, like a nice throwback to that character oh. uh, being just an asshole. Uh, just to get us more excited about the new Jurassic World movie, too. Word on the street, Jeff Goldblum, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, all returning. What? Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> I might have to come up long to go to that one together. <laughs> that would be so much fun. Look, uh, I'm over. I'm overselling Jurassic Park three, and I know that I'm overselling Jurassic Park three. But again, if you want to see a Tyrannosaurus fight a Spinosaurus, you'll see that here. If you want to see some aviary dinosaurs well executed, you'll see that here. If you want to see some more good raptor action, you'll see that here. Just try to as much as you can ignore what's coming out of the actors' mouths when the action stops. That's that's all I'm asking. Yeah, and it, like you said, it is condensed to enough that like you don't really have time to think it's just like gone to the next action scene it's like okay we've had two minutes since the last dinosaur sighting let's go yeah <laughs> and then you just have it again and again and again and i thought that that was like it was a really fast-paced movie that way yeah um, i do have to say i really like the scene where the phone the satellite phone is ringing in the big pile of dinosaur shit right they start like digging through it and there's like a pair of glasses <laughs> and a phone and they're yeah. just like like trying to find this phone like so it did have a little bit of that campiness like sam neil like holding up a shit covered satellite phone to his ear and being like hello (laughs) that was great like i think he knew what this movie was meant to be and yeah but trying to make it anything more than that and it was sort of a callback to the first Jurassic Park with the, that is a big pile of shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it also functioned as a story beat. It was, They needed the phone. It wasn't just, hey, remember the other better Jurassic Park movie? <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. Um, 
it's fun and it's dumb. And sometimes that's exactly what I'm in a mood for. If like you want a movie to do all of the work for you, <laughs> this is the one. Um, it is probably the weakest Jurassic Park movie. But like I said, I like the Jurassic Park movies. So you disagree. Yeah. You made a disagree face. <laughs> yeah, I really dislike Jurassic Park 2. Like the last one. Because like, really, this one is at least fun and I can like believe it in a really unbelievable way. Right. But like... Yeah, I, don't, I really struggle with that one. Well, <laughs> you and I should have a conversation about The Lost World at another time. Is that good enough for JP3? That's perfect. It has existed since prehistoric times. It was worshipped by primitive cultures. It can kill a man with one crushing bite. <laughs> We heard a man was bit in half. Any recent bear attacks? Bears don't attack people underwater. Probably a fever then. What was that? Whatever's out there, he shot with this, he's dead. Oh no. <laughs> Sheriff, how many deputies you got? You came here to help you find it. We can't let him kill it. Experience a few parts mystery. Do you have any theories of why he's here? Honestly, I don't know. And a few parts. <laughs> Missing. It's a human toe. Is this the man who was killed? He seemed taller. Oh my god. Bill Pullman. Shoot him. No! How much of a wacko is this guy? Bridget Fonda. Mother. Oliver Platt. Maybe swim back up! Maybe not. Have this feeling everything's totally safe. So now it's time for Rayleigh and Larry to disagree about Lake Placid. <laughs> I love Lake Placid <laughs> so much. Like I was so I like that was the reason I chose this particular list. Like I mean, I this is my jam for movies generally. This like animal disaster creature movie, whatever. But like. <laughs> movies like Lake Placid are just everything I want in a creature movie. Right. Like, and you disagree. Well, <laughs> I love creature movies. I am game for a giant crocodile movie. And you know what? I love me some Oliver Platt. I'm a big supporter of Bill Pullman. I like a lot of the cast. I usually am a fan of Bridget Fonda. For me, the problem here is David E. Kelly, the man who wrote the screenplay, uh, he of uh, Ally McBeal and a lot of TV show fans. Uh, I, this is a lark for him. He just sort of thinks it's funny and amusing, and he's not taking it very seriously, and he's asking his cast to not take it very seriously. Also, I just also needed to mention Brendan Gleeson. Uh, I love that actor. What in the fucking world is he doing in this movie? Like, he's supposed to be playing a main cop, and he's got this... Thick. is he Irish or he's got an accent but like it doesn't fly he does not feel local even a little bit and then of course we have the swearing Betty White so the movie's kind of always going eh eh come on you guys this is ridiculous huh come on look at look at how silly we're being and I think that the fatal flaw for me and I'm gonna say some nice things too I'm mean, this is not me like gonna shit on your favorite movie Bridget, <laughs> Bridget Fonda, I like her as an actress. This character, 
this character is vacuous, irritating, empty, completely without appeal. And if you played a drinking game for every time she said something stupid or fell off the boat, you would not make it halfway through this 86-minute movie. We'd be Pablo Bowski drunk. Like, let's get real. Like, I get that it's a dumb B-monster movie, and I get that it knows it's a dumb B-monster movie, but on top of it, everyone's acting above this dumb B-monster movie. Like, they're all kind of like, huh? Look at how stupid this is, you guys. What a lark. And as a genuine fan of these movies, I have kind of a fuck you reaction to that. You know? (laughs) So I will agree. That is the one thing that you and I will agree on is that Bridget Fonda's character. I really want the, like, strong female scientists, like, all of, or sexy, like, she doesn't do the sexy thing. She doesn't do the smart thing. Like, she's not strong. Like, she's, like, definitely the weakest of that. I mean, almost all of the female actors from this week, but I won't go that far. (laughs) But I really, really liked the banter between, uh, I'm terrible with that, like the names, like Gleason and Pratt, what's his name? Oliver Platt? Platt? Yeah. Like, they're, I liked their banter. Like, I, they all knew that this was stupid. They yeah. all, like, none of them were trying to take, like, when we think of, like, the swarm when everyone is just, like, trying to be serious, but not, like, no one in this movie thought it was serious and I appreciate that it's just like whatever and it's like you said it's like an hour and 18 22 minutes or like it's just like there's no time no time and I, I, like there's scenes where I get how this should work for me there's this ridiculous scene where like they've painted themselves into a corner with the dialogue where they don't know what to do so a bear attacks them and then they get rescued from the bear when the crocodile eats the bear and Brendan Gleeson's character says, okay, it's a crocodile. <laughs> like, yeah, I get how that's funny and ridiculous, and we should laugh at it that it's funny and ridiculous, but I hate how much they're asking for that laugh, you know? It's like the polar, it's the opposite extreme of The Swarm. The Swarm was playing it impossibly straight, and this movie's glib. It's smug about it. It, it, It's it's better than the movie that it's being. And I think, you know, just be the movie that you're being. To the good, though. Oliver Platt. Love Oliver Platt. (laughs) millionaire. Yeah, he's this eccentric millionaire obsessed with these animals. And, like, he definitely believes it's in this main lake, even though it has no business being there. And what could it possibly be doing there? Um, I really liked him. And he's got this strange relationship with this female deputy who the actress played Natty Gann in The Journey of Natty Gann, who I I just, I've always liked her. (laughs) She doesn't show up in a lot of movies, but whenever I do, it's like, hey, Natty Gann, I like you. Um, And, like, again, I appreciate it. Again, he's having fun with it, and he's Oliver Platt. I think he's just, he's a really good character actor, and he usually sort of plays loud, drunk, comic roles, but I honestly think he's got the goods, and I, I think he does the job here. He, he isn't, uh, he doesn't necessarily, well, he winks a little bit because of the character that he's playing, but he doesn't, like, feel like he's above the material. He feels to me like he's playing to it. So, I liked yeah. him. And the effects, the creature effects. <laughs> There's a great image at the end of the movie that almost made me wish the movie was about it, where they're transporting the surviving gator on the back of this truck. <laughs> and just that image of this semi-trailer 
with the whole flatbed being fooled by this giant alligator. Like, let's see the movie of them trying to transport this thing across the country to Florida because something's going to go wrong, right? <laughs> and, I mean, like, Betty White is in this movie, though. Like, she calls people cocksuckers. <laughs> Betty White. <laughs> the only movie, this, the only reason this movie was rated R, like, there's no nudity, there's not a lot of gore, there's some, like, gory deaths, but you don't really see them. They're yeah. all kind of, they're, they're great. They're just, like, bodies bitten in half and whatever. Yeah. But, you know, a decapitation it. here. Yeah. No, like, entrails being tried to put back in the body. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just because of her filthy language. <laughs> apparently why it got this R rating. And so then you're thinking, like, okay, Betty White, why are you in this movie? And why... <laughs> Like, are you like, are you trying to make a PG movie? Like, if you're gonna make an R movie, fucking make an R movie and make it over the top and blood and just all of it. Like, but to just be a barely R movie because Betty White calls people a cocksucker. Like, yeah. I mean, she has a few other great lines, some great yeah. lines. She does, and I like the whole business by uh, her. She would rather claim that she killed her husband than admit that the alligator didn't. Like, she has some okay bits, but again. I think it was one of those things, this is going to be a weird tangent, but completely unrelated movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Steve Martin, John Candy, one of my favorite comedies ever, period, end of sentence, rated R because of one scene, Steve Martin loses his mind at this agent, I want a fucking car right, right. fucking now. Fucking ticket, not a fucking. I want it right fucking now. Four wheels and a fucking seat. He loses it, and that cost them the R rating, or like their PG rating. They had to yeah. go with R. But John Hughes decided it was worth it for the movie to have that scene in there. He will take the box office hit to keep that scene in his movie. The question is, and I agree with what you're saying. Like if they got Betty White and they decided to punch up her lines and you know make her go really hard with it. Well, if you're going to go R, then bump up the rest of your movie. Bump it all up with yeah. it, you know? In this case, was it worth it for that one joke? And she's in three or four scenes, but it is essentially that one joke repeated, right? Um, yeah. I don't particularly so care. Be R or BPG, but... I don't like it. Be R or BPG and play to that. But, yeah. like, to me, was it worth it to, to limit your audience just to have Betty White call someone a cocksucker <laughs> it's great when it happens though like you have to and especially for the first time you see it because you really are kind of expecting her to play this like I mean now we know who Betty White is and like but then like what is this 99 I think okay yeah, I think it was, like yeah anyway 1999 like, you're so wise um because I was in grade 12 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she like wouldn't have had that persona quite yet in the Hollywood, right? Like we would have had that very like innocent, sweet little old Rose from the Golden Girls sort of. So to have like her be this like <laughs> dishing of these lines to this police officer, like this, like that would the shock value of that alone is totally worth it in this movie. But then like yeah, then I want to see all the other stuff get bumped up as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's yeah. A, to me, it's just a variation on the rapping granny or the, you know, just granny does something inappropriate. You know, <laughs> the old lady in the heavy metal video. It's just like it's out of context and ergo it is funny. But it is just one joke repeated. Another complimentary thing that I will say. I should have seen this coming because it's the most obvious thing in the world. But I will give Kelly points. I didn't see the second alligator coming. And crocodile sorry I do this all of the time I didn't see the second crocodile coming like I I honestly didn't I should have why else would it be there but to like mate there'd have to be a reason and like that way they could kill one and they could keep another one alive for possible Lake Placid sequels (laughs) and there are there are many sequels and there's apparently Lake Placid versus Anaconda that's a that's a thing that exists (laughs) so (laughs) One of the reviews of this movie said something about how, like, this is just a failed anaconda. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. let's just that for a moment here. Failed <laughs> anaconda? I know failed those words, anaconda. but that makes no sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there are crocodiles in there, this big. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, all the movies we're reviewing today fucking wish they were anaconda. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then at the end with the like little baby car, like it's just setting itself up, right? Yeah. And I like I, I kind of wish Betty White's character would have gotten killed off. <laughs> like I found it like that. Sh- I, I'm surprised that she survived. Yeah, there's quite a few survivors in this movie. Well, again, but... it's just being fun and silly as much. When people die, it doesn't count. They're always no name deputies. There's this Canadian character actor who you see in a lot of things who plays the deputy who gets his head bitten off, right? Brendan Gleeson's presumably known that guy for years and like there's no impact to his death at all (laughs) like yeah one of my deputies died you know I'm not gonna have to inform his wife or his his parents about this this is not something that's real to me in any kind of way (laughs) but well I've asked in the past whatever happened to Bridget Fonda and now I'm starting to wonder if maybe it was Lake Placid she, <laughs> she married uh, Danny Elfman and just stopped acting and just started you know being a, a, a rich famous person who is rich and famous and is happy with that so I guess more power to you <laughs> but you know <laughs> I say if you're, again, it's another one of those things, if you don't want to be in Lake Placid, don't be in Lake Placid. I think, I don't know if that's the case with Bridget Fonda, the actress, but her character, man, ugh. (laughs) I want to be there with you, Rayleigh, and enthusiastically endorsing Lake Placid. To me, it's an is-what-it-is movie that's elevated by a few good performances, and, you know, I'm always down for an Animal Attacks movie, but it's not my favorite, not on this list, not by a measure. So I have a lot of fun watching this movie. Every time. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Some will come to it for science. This is a big deal, Charles. This is a big fine. Some for fortune. A diamond mine of incredible bounty. And some to return home. She doesn't really belong anywhere, does she? No, she belongs here. Together, they will search. My boss, he thought I wasn't going to make it. He sent another expedition. Drawn deep into a mystery. Camp destroyed, people dead, or gray gorillas. No such thing as a gray gorilla. I saw one. And the more they discover... Same hieroglyphics over and over. The greater the danger. What do they say? We are... Watching you. Help me! Help me! 
directed by a guy named Frank Marshall uh, and it's based off of a novel by Michael Crichton. Frank Marshall, this is the heartbreaking thing, he did two movies before this which I actually really like. Uh, have you ever seen Arachnophobia? Sorry? Which word? Oh, Arachnophobia. If yeah, you're into he did that movie. That's right. And uh, a survival movie called Alive about a, a soccer team that gets stranded in the mountains. Yeah. Uh, and he's wow. yeah he's produced a lot of movies for Spielberg and he's only dipped his toes into directing a few times but to as far as I'm concerned with great success and coming off the popularity of Jurassic Park they were doing adaptations of more Crichton novels things like Sphere and Congo and stuff like that were being adapted <clears throat> Sphere is another interesting example similar to Congo in that I read the book to Sphere and thought this was fun this was exciting I bet you it'll make a great movie until I watched the movie and it wasn't. Congo is exactly yeah. that. It's exactly that. Like, uh, it's a it's a good read and somehow not a great movie. And of all the movies, and some of them go back to the 70s, this one's just from the 90s. It has aged brutally. The, one, yeah. of, one of the main characters of the movie is this monkey that they're returning to her, her homelands. And... Like it's a, it's a Amy. Amy and it's a, a suit with some animatronic face features. And for the time it was very cutting edge. Like they worked really hard on making that a believable monkey. And now in the day and age of like the, the nouveau planet of the apes trilogy and everything like that, Amy just doesn't fly as a character at all. And Amy is kind of the heart of the movie. <laughs> so right away, ouch, Ouch. And I gotta say, it takes a special movie to make me roll my eyes at Tim Curry. This movie makes me roll my eyes at Tim Curry. Yeah, I thought when we first met his character that he was like in character, in character, like that the accent was like Put he on. pretended to have an accent, but then he like, that's just his character. And I was just like, oh, you're actually trying to be this, I think, Romanian. I think it was Romanian. Very like, big. Too big. Very, right? very big. Yeah, like, it was just like, I would agree. I, I had higher hopes when I saw Tim Curry on the list. And it was not, I felt like his movie, like, had like three separate movies that they were trying to like intersect and like I think each one had great parts and great elements to it but they just didn't really intersect very well no right like they have like the Amy storyline of this like return to the jungle uh you know captivity get her back with her other gorilla friends storyline and then they're like Tim Curry and the Diamond 
like magical like lost world sort yeah. of there's vibe. a city that's supposedly in, incredibly rich that's yeah. hidden within the jungle many people have died trying to find it um, this high-tech company uses diamonds to focus laser beams for their communication system some sci-fi bullshit Joe Don Baker, memorable character actor, plays this big bad corporate guy who's running it. He sends Laura Linney into the jungle to claim this diamond, even though his son is one of the people who went missing in the initial expedition. Notably played here by Bruce Campbell, Ash himself. Because yeah, he doesn't get credited on the like when you're looking it up and stuff. He like kind of have to dig to get his credit. Oh, really? Because it is him. It's totally him. Yeah. I didn't notice that they didn't credit him. Maybe it's just one of those cameo things. But always yeah. like to see me some Bruce Campbell, so I had to mention it. Anyway, so yeah, you're right. We have this. Laura Linney is sent to see what happened to her former lover and find these diamonds for her boss. And they are piggybacking on this nature expedition trying to return Amy, this monkey that knows sign language, to the jungle. By the way, subnote, if you've successfully taught a monkey sign language, you probably want to keep that relationship going as long as possible. Actually being able to communicate interspecies, it'd be so epic for us progressing as, like... As a planet, I just seem the the premise seems weird that you would do all that work teaching this this bear sign uh, this animal sign language and then set her free. But <coughs> excuse me, that's and the premise of the movie. Survival rate would be quite low. Yeah. So they have because of the turmoil in this undisclosed country that we're in because they're trying to be careful. They need this uh, military guy Ernie Hudson to lead them in. And they also get mixed up with the Tim Curry guy who's here to find the ancient city. He doesn't care about anybody. Everybody has their own irons in the fire. None of them are particularly connected. And usually a lot of different pieces in this sort of big budget sort of epic kind of helps the moving parts of the movie kind of keep you engaged. What's this guy going to play? What's going to happen to him? You know, who's going to live? Who's going to die? It's amazing how you just don't care about any of it while you're watching the movie at any point. At any point. Laura Linney is a great actress. She's like, she can do great, great things. And this is early in her career. And like, it'd be good for her to be headlining a movie at this point in time. It's high profile. Frank Marshall's made good movies. It's Michael Crichton. Like, on paper, I get it. I get it. I just feel so bad for her watching this movie. Like, it would take several more years for her to pop. And I wonder if Congo is not the reason why. And we haven't even really addressed the fact that, like, the villain are these, like, super, like, species gorillas who are, like, super strong and they're protecting these diamonds. Like, that's, like, this whole other storyline that comes in and I'm like, wait, what? Now there's more? I don't. I don't. Like, too much, you no, guys. Too much. No real bad guy. Like, I guess the tech company sending them in is, like, he's kind of seen as a bit of a douche, but, like... That's it? Like, he's just kind of a douche. There's, like, hubristic characters. Like, characters who are, like, um... Joe Don Baker cares more about the diamond than he does about his missing son. And so, therefore, he must be punished. And Tim Curry cares more about the diamonds than anything else. The safety of the group. Yeah. Uh, And so he has to pay for it. But, again, it's all so painfully telegraphed. And there's something about the grandeur with which it's being presented that makes the sort of simplicity of everything go weird. Uh, One thing that I hated when I first saw this movie in theaters that has actually come back to be incredible now, I guess I can claim ignorance on it, but uh, 
I thought it was ridiculous the first time I saw the movie that they had a hippopotamus attack. <laughs> They're vicious. <laughs> they are. I hadn't re- I didn't realize that, but I, I guess they are intensely territorial animals. More so on land than in the water. They'll charge. They like to squish people into a fine paste if given the opportunity. But I, I remember when I first watched the movie laughing at that and thinking it was ridiculous. And when I watched the movie this time, it was one of the few scenes in the movie that actually worked for me. <laughs> It's the only one that's aged well. <laughs> I yeah, guess. I, just, I didn't really care about anyone's journey, like what they were like. Everyone had something to accomplish, and I was just like, okay. And I really thought that it was the relationship between Amy and her like human caregiver was just weird. Like I think that was like the romantic like storyline replacement sort of piece, yeah. and it was just. He was weird. He was just, like, creepy and weird. (laughs) Unless he's one of these invisible actors who I can compliment, who I've seen many times and haven't noticed it, this Dylan Walsh guy who plays, like, arguably our main character. Yeah. I saw nothing before Congo and nothing after Congo. I just, as far as I'm concerned, he's an apparition. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong about that, but... Yeah, yeah, he's just this weird sort of piece in there, so... And the gorillas didn't look good when they were attacking. Well, we finally, finally get to this temple and everything, like it was already not good, but it completely <laughs> falls apart then. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden they're saying, oh, the, the monkeys aren't going to attack them until they start stealing the diamonds. Well, that would be all well and good if you didn't open the movie with the monkeys killing two guys just outright for being there. Like, again, just follow the own rules of your own your own movie. And when the action happens, all of a sudden it gets into this sort of flash, skip, pan, blurry, so you can't really see the action. And we've been waiting almost like two hours to get to the action. (laughs) Show us the action. What happened? What happened? This is, again, we were talking about sand sharks earlier. Like, they had nothing to work with. This movie has everything to work with. So, in a way, it's... I, I think Congo's a better movie than Sand Sharks, but it's arguably a bigger failure than Sand Sharks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a I, weird distinction, but... It's not which other? Funny. Like, oh. Sand Sharks, you can have fun while yeah. you're watching it. No, this isn't yeah. even funny like, when I, they're I, trying to be funny, or there's comic yeah, relief moments. It's a serious movie. Yeah. Like, it, they're trying to be... Like, it's serious. Oh, no. You know? Or it's just lame when they're trying to be funny because they have to tell Laura Linney that she's ugly or else Amy gets jealous. That's hilarious, you guys. Hilarious. Ugly, ugly girl. She's like sign language. I'm like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, and then Amy just goes off and lives with... Wild, Wild apes and presumably teaches the wild apes sign language, maybe. I don't know. Um, Yeah. I don't know, it, it, it's a tough movie to, like, it's heartbreaking to me. I actually really like this director. I really legit do. I don't know what yeah, happened. involved in those other movies. Yeah, and, like, a lot of production, a lot of cast. Like, it's hard to point to any one thing that was the thing that sank the movie. It was like nothing was working for me here. And that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it just didn't come together for me at all. It's short shrift, but I'm running out of things to say about Congo. Is that good? What is it? What the hell's wrong? Now on DVD. 
William Shatner in the classic web of terror, Kingdom of the Spiders. Why would spiders suddenly turn aggressive? This right here is scientific phenomenon. One minute they weren't there, and the next minute they were everywhere. How do we get rid of them? There's not just a few spiders out there, there's millions of them. And your town is right in their path. The spiders in this area have organized themselves into an aggressive army. He's found another 20 or 30 hills just like the one we burned. Listen, there's thousands of them out there. We'll never make it. What are you talking about? Of course we will. Get caught in this all-new special edition, Crawling with Bonus Features, including an all-new interview with William Shatner. When they had the spiders on me, that was not CGI. What's wrong? I've never heard it so quiet. Kingdom of the Spiders, you are their prey. Now on a special edition DVD. Hope these things don't get into the house. They sure give me the willies. Okay, Kingdom of the Spiders, starring William fucking Shatner. Okay, the Shat himself. All of his glory. Yeah, with at his at the time his wife. And uh, this is a different Shatner for me. I haven't seen this version of Shatner. This is like cowboy Shatner, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Kingdom of the Spiders is a 1976, I believe. I think originally 77. aired... 77? Uh, it might have actually originally aired on television. <laughs> it's one of these sort of creeping ecological what have we done the the spiders have been you know tampered with and they've become immune to all of the toxins and they're they're lashing out at us it starts with them the ddt yeah it starts with them hitting the wildlife the cows um the movie's not really good at showing us what actually the spiders do like they crawl all over top of the animals like they're eating them or something but it doesn't look like they're eating them like they're just they're just doing their killing business um William Shatner is investigating this, and one of the first people that's on to something that something's up. And we get to know the characters in this community, and things start to snowball. And I really sort of felt like this was uh, going to be one of those pedestrian, you know, by the numbers when animals attack movies. And the thing that brought me here was William Shatner. But I have to tell you, <laughs> I had so much fun watching the movie. And before we talk about anything else, before we talk about the POV spider shots, before we talk about, you know, the Shatner spider attack, and before we talk about that painting of an ending, I really have to talk about the music in this movie. Okay, you do. <laughs> There's a couple of these country ballad songs that they play a lot of in the beginning and at the end of the movie that are like completely tonally adjacent to the movie but i don't know why i just find them hilarious i'm just i'm i'm fascinated by the decision to include them like what do they contribute to this movie i love it don't get me wrong but like i just can't imagine someone sitting down and saying yeah that's that's what we need for this picture you know what would get real get really good here yeah And between that and seeing Captain Kirk lasso his lady love and, you know, the hilarious but kind of unexpected over-the-top ending, I had a lot of fun watching this not very good but incredibly amusing spider movie. Where do you land on Kingdom of the Spider? This one is, like, infinitely better than I expected it to be. <laughs> right? 
I did not have as high hopes for this movie when I like kind of looked at this list and I was like, oh, Spider-Man movie, 1977. I didn't look at who was in it, so I didn't know that it was William Shatner. <laughs> Just like, oh, like a 70s Spider movie. Like, I, I actually thought this was going to be more like kind of on par with The Swarm, right. honestly. Like, uh, and then I started watching it and like, this, uh, this is my like full disclosure. I can hate spiders. Oh, okay. So much of my heart. Uh, and uh, I really struggle with spider movies. I love them though. Like I love arachnophobia, eight legs. Like I love spider movies, but I like legitimately also hate them at the same time. And so I wasn't expecting this one to bother me because I was like, oh, there's gonna be like no budget, no spiders. Like it's gonna be really cheesy and whatever. I might like was crawling. Like there's a lot of spiders in this movie. First yeah. off, that's just like quantity of spider to human in this movie is great i don't want to know how they got (laughs) killed all those spiders like yeah it made me wonder like that caption they put at the end of a lot of credits where no animals were harmed in the making of this movie i don't know it looked like a couple of those spiders were getting pretty squished there under the vehicle and like the scene where he like throws the blanket and they all go like flying all over the wall. Apparently they're actually yeah. sort of delicate creatures. <laughs> uh, and I actually ended up watching an interview with Shatner talking about um, the experience of having all these spiders. And he was like, oh, I was so strong and then I carried all the spiders on and on. He's like, he's a super tough guy. He's like, really funny oh the chat oh the chat the lead female in this is so great like she picks up the spider she's not she's not like a damsel in distress character at all yeah she was really really fantastic uh i liked the poor couple the woman who's like their farm's gonna get quarantined it's like the first cow Yeah. yeah like it was great this was a really really great movie I kind of liked, like, again, there's times where I'm laughing at the movie, but there's also times where, you're right, it does kind of work. That family that decides they're going to stand their ground, they're not going to be run off their farm by a bunch of spiders, I kind of understand that mentality. It's not like stubborn, you know, hayseed hick, you can't go running me off the land. It's like, no, this is our farm. We're not being, we're going to stand our ground. And it costs them their lives, and it kind of counts in a movie where you feel like maybe it shouldn't count. Um, But there are other times where I laugh at the movie, where the scene towards the end of the movie where Shatner gets a bunch of spiders dropped on him, and his reaction (laughs) and his slow crawl up the stairs and falling into the kitchen is like, it's, it's like so Shatner that I just, I love it and hate it all at the same time. Brilliant. Yeah. Like chef kiss. <laughs> yeah, it's just like he is just the perfect amount of overacting for that role, yeah. right? Like it's just like, and he is acting like he is just he is in it. Like he is fully committed to this kingdom of spider movie mm-hmm. in a way that like Mike Kane with the swarm was like, all right, I'm out, bye bye. No, there are no half measures with William Shatner. If you if you hire him, you're getting one hundred percent at least, right? All of the characters in this movie, I like, were just were very believable. Like the couple who were staying on their farm and the female scientist, like. I don't know which female entomologist. I don't know what her role is. Right. Who was a scientist? And then when the woman like shoots her, <laughs> her, her own hands off. Yeah. 
Like, or you could have just like used the gun to brush the spider off, but both work. Both work. It's all good. But I, I liked it for the movie that she made that choice. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, it was a perfect choice for this movie for sure. Uh, I just, like I said, I was expecting this movie to be considerably worse than it was. Yeah. There's, uh, just, just, I found myself really enjoying it. It's overperforming. There's another scene, because uh, I don't know if it's an urban legend, but I, if you've heard the story of somebody goes to a warehouse to pick up a package and they're driving home and all of a sudden through the vent of the car a spider crawls onto the dash that had somehow gotten into their car while they were in the warehouse this is a story that i've heard variations of well in this movie there's a guy who's driving a pickup truck who'd been parked at the farm and i just like the idea that he's he's in the car and he's driving for a while before he actually notices that there's all these spiders in there and it yeah. seems a little bit incredible, but like you're not expecting a bunch of spiders to be in your car. <laughs> and even underneath the, uh, what is it, the folding little dash thing on top of the car? The visor. The visor, yeah. He flips the visor down and the spider just drops into his lap. And it's just like, while you're driving the car, you've got to suddenly deal with like That idea is icky and horrifying. It, and, uh, yeah, one of the scenes that like, I got a little bit and this even, is why I in Australia. Yeah. Well, and even with the slapdash execution, it still works. Part of that is, I think you're right, the fact that they use real spiders. If they were overtly plastic or like CGI, the way the sand sharks are never credible in the movie Sand Sharks, these are credible because they are spiders. And yeah. I, I think that does a lot of work for you. There's another movie that came out in the 70s right around this time called it's just a bunch of S's, and it's uh, it's about snakes, but they use actual snakes, and you see people actually get bitten by actual snakes. So the movie's not great, but because of that, it's kind of like, wow, it gets you in the in the in the nerves. And I think there's a percentage of that. There's a percentage of legit spider scares in this movie, with a really delicious you know side dish of cheesiness and 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 quasi charming execution. And like I say, that delicious, yeah. delicious soundtrack. And really likable, yeah. At least like, yeah, really likable. I, uh, I just watched Arachnophobia like fairly recently, um, and like it, it, it hit kind of the same for me. Like it, like I mean, I Arachnophobia can do no wrong. In my <laughs> like it's a fantastic movie, but. I wasn't expecting this one to be, I get it, I, I felt it just kind of hit the same nerves as that movie for me with the like close up of the spiders and the way they like do the like slow crawl, but then it like goes really fast and then all of a sudden they're like covered in spiders, like that cut to like one to the other. It was like, ooh, but ooh. Yeah, that was great. And I would, then, sorry. just talk about the end, or are we oh, there yeah. yet? No, I would say, I just wanted to say, I would say I think that Arachnophobia is a better movie than this one. But that this one overperformed for me. Again, it's it's better than you expect, and yet it's what you expect. But yes, we yeah. definitely, definitely need to talk about the end. Not at all expected. At all. Like, William Shatner, as a hero cowboy who's coming in to save this town, and then doesn't. The entire really? town is webbed and concealed by these spiders, and they do this sort of drawn-out panning shot, and it's clearly a painting like yeah. hilariously obviously no uh, they do this pan out shot and 
it, it first like it's kind of this blurry white and then you realize oh we're looking at web and then oh we're looking at the house and oh we're looking at this entire town but it's it's a painting it's clearly a painting i don't know how they're expecting it to uh fool anybody but the idea of them like that that whoever's alive is like this little group of survivors they're trapped in this house and they can't leave and that's where they end it that's that's where the movie leaves you because the pan out shot is like William Shatner tries to like look out the window and he realizes it's encased in web yeah. and then that's when the pan out shot like starts and yeah you have this like like and I just expected especially a hero like Shatner to like save the day and burn the spiders and everyone would love him and there would be a statue of him in the town square <laughs> right. and everyone would celebrate and like so it's just kind of just really bleak ending of these I think there's like four or five of them left in the house yeah. that we know that have survived and they're just gonna like live in this <laughs> like, I don't know it was just, mm-hmm. I found it to be really really bleak which I was just like was not expecting yeah I know uh, uh, I did not see that ending coming. I knew that they were doing the eco-horror thing and that this was our fault that the spiders were mad at us and everything like that. But no, I wasn't expecting that ending and kind of welcomed it, even though like the execution is wonky. But I love what yeah. they were going for. I love what they were going for. And I think that's basically my wholesale truth about the movie. The execution is a little wonky, but I love what they're going for. And it works enough that it overperformed for me. I had a, I had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah, I agree. I also just have to say the uh, airplane sprayer just like wonkily flying over the town. Crashing. (laughs) Beautiful touch. Just love the fact that they're just blanketing everything in DDT. Yeah, just making things worse. (laughs) No, it was great. And like, I, uh, yeah, not what I expected it to be and was pleasantly surprised. Would definitely revisit Another lost gem rediscovered by Rankin Review. Boom. this rank of strange animals thank you so much for being here yet again you're becoming one of my uh, mvps and i really like that i appreciate your your, your being part yeah. of the show um and, Always yeah thank you and again if i gave this list to the wrong person or if the wrong person selected this one i could see this being a real uphill battle i feel like we only really kind of sort of disagreed strongly on maybe one of the titles but uh I, I, I'm so glad. It's like I said, we do not disagree, or we do not agree on that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so be it, so be it. But thank you for being here, uh, and I would love to hear your rank. What was your least favorite of these six strange animal movies, and why? So for me, it was Congo. I just had no buy-in. I wanted to like it. I thought it had the potential to be good, the budget to be good. Like it just had the chance of being good 
kind of just didn't. Right. None of the story worked. None of the characters worked. There wasn't a villain that I hated or liked. It just, it just, I yeah, I struggled. I would, I would have a hard time rewatching this one. Right. So Congo six. Fair enough. Keep going, girl. Oh, uh, right. Number five was the swarm. I think if I would have watched the condensed version, this one might have been a little higher. But it was so long. Like, there was just... And, and really not a lot happened for such a high death toll. Like, it was it was long. It was just too much. And, yeah, so Swarm was number five. This is where we're going to start to really... Uh-oh. You're going to be back. Oh, no. Uh, Number four is Jurassic Park. Uh, Three. <laughs> oh, I loved the Jurassic Park movies. I, I hear you with it. But, like, to me on this list, it just, it's not, it's too good to be a crappy bee creature movie or animal movie. And it's not a good movie to compare to anything else. Like, it's, like, too good and too bad in some ways. So, I... I don't laugh at that movie like in the way that I laugh at these other ones that are going to be higher up on my list. Um, it's got too much budget. It looks too realistic. It's too believable. Like it just, so it just for this list, it, I would say it's number four. Okay. So now I'm on my top three. Yep. Here we go. <laughs> so, uh, number three is sand sharks. I just have so much fun. Like I said, this is the fourth time I've watched it. Like, for this movie was the fourth time I watched it. If someone asked me to watch it again, I would. I would recommend <laughs> it. If someone watched it, should see, like, what is one of the worst shark movies you'd watch? This would be one of them. Uh, the worst shark was- movie you can watch, for the record, is Shark Exorcist. Just for the record. Whoa, hey. <laughs> that is uh, the worst. I just I find it funny. I can enjoy it. It's <laughs> it's stupid and terrible and just it has all the parts that you need uh-huh. to have a terrible shark movie. Number three, number overperforming three. sand sharks. <laughs> number two, so th- it, this is so hard and I flip flopped so many times. Uh, I'm gonna say number two is Lake Placid. I love Lake Placid. Hey. The only reason I'm going to give Kingdom of Spiders to the first to number one is because it just completely surprised me and was way better than I thought. But Lake Placid is so good to me. I I like the acting. I like, other than the one female character, Bridget Fonda, I, the crocodile's great, Betty White's great, it's short, it's sweet, it's just exactly what it needs to be. Um, so that leaves number one is Kingdom of Spiders. I was so just loved it. I yeah. Bill I so Shatner, man. Bill Shatner. <laughs> what can be I said? It to like three people, like, hey, no, you should watch. They're like, really? No, seriously, just hear it. Really, really should watch this. Take uh, take our I, word for it. <laughs> The ending was not what I expected. The crawly scenes made my skin crawl. Like, it was just, it was great. It was a really, really great movie. I, I quite enjoyed it. And the twangy country song that wrote us out at the end, perfect. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. Well, yeah. damn, really, if you weren't incredibly close to going zero for six, you were... We've been close a couple times now. <laughs> so close. In fact, I, I dare you to guess where we agree. There's one place where we, we agree. Is that the last one? No. It's either six or one. It's one. Yeah. <laughs> we agreed on number one, and that is all. I Look, I had to put the swarm at six. Like, part of me yeah. thinks it's still happening. Like, it just went on and on and on. It was such a trial to get through. Like, my patience, like, wow. And, like, even the few things that you could laugh and smile at were so distributed. Like, way separate. No, I can't recommend the swarm to anybody. It is with no joy that I put Congo in fifth place. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird that a movie with, with this many people who I like in it, uh, made by a guy that I like, with a decent idea enough for a story, for like a fun, captivating jungle adventure, at least it should have been okay. Like, it just, it just wall to wall does not work. In fourth place, I'm sorry to drank this one so low, but Sand Sharks. Sand Sharks. Oh, I said <laughs> No, I mean, for me, Sand Sharks is an is what it is movie. Like, I don't know that I'm going to watch Sand Sharks four times. And if someone was to ask me, should I watch Sand Sharks? I would be like, look, what do you want out of your movie? What do you want out of it? Like, take it seriously. Look who's in it. Look at what it is and know that it has zero budget. And if you still want to watch Sand Sharks, then maybe you'll get something out of it. I think that you liked it a lot more than I did. I saw that it had its moments of charm, but I'm not I'm not excited about it, if you know what I mean. It, it was called Sand Sharks. I was going to watch it. I watched it. There it was. In third yeah. place, all the way in third place, Lake Placid. Okay, <laughs> just... I, I like what the movie like claims to be, but I just I can't help but feel this air of of smugness about it, and uh, I just like give me a likable protagonist, and um, don't don't look down on the genre you're participating in. Those are my two big beefs. In second place, and again, this would seem strangely overperforming because it's not a fantastic movie. It's, it's, it's more exciting and energetic than it is, quote, good. But I have a lot of fun watching Jurassic Park 3 in the same way I have a lot of fun watching every single entry of the Jurassic Park franchise. I am a fanboy of this franchise. Give me big-budget dinosaurs eating people on any given night, and I will, I will, I will have a smile on my face. And yes. Yeah, it was hard to pick one so low. Yeah. And yes, uh, like you said, I was so surprised at how much I was expecting to laugh at or with Kingdom of the Spiders, maybe. And it had its moments of that, but it also had moments where it kind of worked. And it had moments where the sort of clunky execution was actually sort of charming. And, uh, you know... It's it's not all there, but it's 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 so of its time, and it's such a specific experience that I don't know. I had a lot of fun with it, and I I, I could not have anticipated Kingdom of Spiders topping the list when I when I first sat down for for this bunch of movies. No, not anything. Yeah, and yet there it sits. There it sits. 
<clears throat> there's again all of these movies i think the people who are going to be attuned to them if this is for you you'll know it but kingdom of the spiders in a weird way more than any of these ones i think has the potential to surprise so for that reason i gave it number one agreed we did it girl Yay! <laughs> thank you so much for doing this last minute i'm going to try and get the edit out so hopefully this will be out on wednesday you can fill your ears with this. Cool. <laughs> um, uh, okay. That's great. So hopefully there's nothing in here that, that you, you said that'll make you face palm or anything like that. And I'm sure no. that Rankin no. Review will be hearing more from Rayleigh Perkins. Is there anything you wanted to say to the people on the internet before we sign off? No, I think that's it. Enjoy uh, Kingdom of Spiders. <laughs> there's lots of love in the room right now, Rayleigh. Thank you so much. And that was it. 186 is done. It's behind us. It's in the past. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. It was it was a weird, kind of a tough list again, but much more of an amusing list. It, did, it didn't hurt my soul as much as some of the tougher lists of recent memory have, so I had fun with these cheesy bad movies to a degree anyway but what did you think do you have feedback because if you do you can send it to me at rankinreview at gmail.com that's r-a-n-k-n-r-e-v-i-e-w at gmail.com you can check out my website at rankinreview.ca i drop every other wednesday i appreciate everybody's ears thank you so much for supporting Rankin review and uh i will talk to you all soon I'm your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons, and I appreciate you.